welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, well, we finally got a trade in the NBA. Uh, you know, first one since the draft, basically. It actually features a player, except it was more of a salary dump than an actual trade. And I think there's a lot to kind of glean from this situation that may not directly face the Lakers, but certainly paints their offseason in a certain light. John Collins has been on the trade block for multiple years. Uh, I've heard anywhere from a few to a couple to um, certainly like this last year, it, it, it had become um, pretty untenable there in Atlanta. And uh, yeah, he is now a member of the Utah Jazz. Um, they send Rudy Gay and a future second round pick that might not even convey. This is what they call in the biz a salary dump. This was, uh, and and this it, it's really kind of crazy how quickly it arrived at a salary dump after just last year they were expecting a Rudy Gobert type haul for John Collins. This is the same Atlanta Hawks organization that sent out a bunch of assets to get DeJounte Murray. So to go from that to now taking back again a pick that you probably aren't ever really going to use. And if you do, it's a second rounder from what will probably be a pretty good Utah team at that point. And then uh, Rudy Gay, who is on a player option that he uh, did pick up to be a part of this trade. Um, No talk so far about him being bought out. He's at such a low number and he played hardly at all last year. So um, my guess is he just kind of plays through the season and we might be talking about retirement stuff here pretty soon for Rudy Gobert or for uh, (laughs) Freudian slip there for Rudy Gay. Um, So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, and for Utah, right. They had a bunch of cap space. They take John Collins into that cap space and um, they get a useful player, somebody who I think fits in quite well with Walker Kessler. Um, they drafted another big, and uh, they already have Laurie uh, Markkinen. So all of those guys, for the most part, can play together. Um, now, do you have enough room for four guys that will be expecting minutes? Probably not. So their uh, rookie, whose name escapes me right now, probably will not get as much time, but he's kind of a, uh, a project anyway from what I've been reading. And uh, that does then allow you to have a three-big system between Collins, Markinen, and Kessler that is quite good, to be honest. Uh, and and they're, they're relatively young, and they can grow together, and they're cheap right now outside of Collins. Though I would imagine Markinen is also going to get paid eventually, uh, so yeah, it's 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 a good move for Utah. I don't know how long Collins is going to be in Utah, though. Um, in kind of canvassing the league, apparently they really want him, so or they've wanted him now for a little while. Uh, and and look, Danny Ainge was in Boston, and uh, Boston and Atlanta had had talks while Ainge was in Boston about Collins over the last few years too. So. Uh, this kind of simultaneously fell out of the sky and was a long time coming, especially in Atlanta's from Atlanta's perspective. And, you know, this is what happens when you let perfect be the enemy of good. They had gotten some decent 
offers for John Collins over the years. Um, they had received some some trade offers that would help them more now. Now, I will say that improving the team or keeping the team as good as it was doesn't really appear to be the goal here as, uh, you know, Collins goes out and you get a player who probably isn't going to help you much next year and a pick that isn't really going to help you much in the future either. This was to shed salary, period. And, you know, from that perspective, I guess they accomplished their goal. The only thing is, like, if I'm a, a Hawks fan, I'm like, all right, cool, great. We're under the second apron now. Fantastic. I don't know why I should care about that. And and look, those fans are kind of sort of right. You know, if if there were better trades on the table that would have brought back better players and, and like throughout the NBA today, you saw a whole bunch of fan bases saying like, wait, that's all it took to get John Collins? And, you know, kind of missing the point to a certain extent because, again, the point of that was to shed salary. But, you know, seeing as there were a lot of fan bases and probably organizations out there saying like, I mean, yeah, we could have sent back, you know, like the, I don't think the Lakers were ever really interested in Collins, kind of a clunky fit or whatever. But, you know, in, in terms of like things that the Lakers could have thrown together, they they could have easily matched that that trade package that Utah sent out in terms of talent and even in terms of draft picks. But draft picks and talent wasn't the point here. The point was to shed that salary immediately so that they don't have to make other cuts around the roster in order to avoid. Now, this is where there's some kind of speculation going on here. Um, and the reports uh, are, are somewhat inconsistent. Some are saying that the mandate is to get under the luxury tax period. Others are saying that it is to avoid the second apron um, period. And, you know, obviously uh, quite a bit of a difference there as one is just money and the other one you can at least kind of claim has something to do with basketball reasons because we don't know to what extent those, you know, legislated parity uh, or attempts at parity are, are how that's going to affect the way that teams are able to operate up there where you can't take back more salary in a trade than you have going out. You are not allowed to, to acquire a buyout player. You are not allowed to use your exceptions. And if you stay up in that second apron long enough, your first round pick automatically becomes the worst pick in the league. So yeah, I mean, like we'll see how all of those things really impact winning, um, especially, you know, both long and short term. But yeah, if, if, if one is to keep your basketball options open. All right. And I wrote that for Substack, right? I wrote that. Yeah. If, if the Lakers want to avoid the second apron because they're concerned about what the, the, you know, from a basketball perspective, what they won't be able to do. Cool. If they're nervous about that to not pay extra taxes, not cool. Um, and, and, you know, I think this is where, this is where I think the players union really kind of dropped the ball because, again, all I keep hearing about the second apron, and I know you guys get bored when I talk about the CBA, there is no surer way to put my wife to sleep than to mention the letters CBA in that order. Um, unless it's like crying baby alert. 
which CBA kind of fits also like when <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I, 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 uh, all I keep hearing is that the majority, if not vast majority of teams in the NBA are considering this second apron as a hard cap, which if you're the players union and you are allowing even a de facto hard cap on your players, you'd better get back a shit ton of stuff, whether it's BRI, whether it's extra perks, whether it's health insurance, like better health insurance for retired players, whatever it is, like less practice time, you know, better assurance that, you know, they're going to get rid of four game and five night type stretches. Um, To allow this from the players union perspective is a disaster, uh, you know, given what I'm hearing about the thing. And even, even if like, I think to some, to a certain extent, you could very easily reach a point where you're wondering if it's genuine that teams see the, the second apron as a hard cap for strictly basketball reasons, because we don't know what that looks like. And so many teams are using it as, as an excuse. It almost feels like walking orders, right? Like a, a, a company line from the owner's perspective that like, Oh yeah, you know, we would love to go above that second apron, but you just don't know how we will, how we'll be able to operate as an organization up there. Um, and, and yeah, like I, I think I have found myself wondering if it's actually going to be that difficult to operate up there. And if not, then those teams that are avoiding it like the plague and therefore potentially making their teams worse to avoid it, um, the market inefficiency here might be, and we're going to see some teams blow right through that line, by the way. Phoenix, um, the Clippers, the Warriors, you know, and and, and uh, maybe the Bucks are, are going to blow right through that line and and jump above that second apron. And we'll see if the additional talent that they're able to keep on their roster because they're willing to pay more for it is enough to offset the difficulties that arise above that line. And, you know, to be honest, I respect those teams that are jumping right through that line right now, right over that line, just heading in because that's a real shot at a market inefficiency in a league that is pretty wide open. So anyway, all this is to say that, you know, for those of you who are looking at John Collins and maybe were interested in him as a player um, and were wondering why the Lakers weren't able to go out and get him, it's because the, the Hawks weren't interest, interested in the type of uh, package that the Lakers could put together because the Lakers didn't have any uh, salary cap space to trade Collins into without like renouncing Rui and renouncing D'Angelo Russell and basically renouncing everybody. Um, They couldn't have done what Utah did. And by the way, Collins isn't worth doing all of that for. Now, the next step after that is like, well, if they're trading Collins, then maybe they're heading towards a fire sale. And in my opinion, they should be. But this is where like Atlanta's ownership being so cheap actually kind of is a is it hurts you in a couple ways where um, they want you like there's a, a ceiling, right? A cap on how expensive they want the team to be and thus and thus potentially how good they want the team to be uh, because a lot of times amounts of money put into a team does correlate with amount of talent that you're able to employ. Um, but so if, uh, you know, because of their cheapness, they have that 
hard cap, as, as I just talked about in the last segment. And then secondly, they are too cheap to want to completely tear down because they want the playoff revenue that comes with being like mediocre, which the Hawks will probably, uh, probably be next season. They will be pretty thoroughly mediocre. And, uh, you know, so from the Lakers perspective, I know we're probably sitting here. I sat here and I made a couple calls about like, hey, you know, maybe DeAndre Hunter, right? Former Laker great, DeAndre Hunter, um, or or uh, DeJounte Murray, or uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, right? Are those guys maybe going to be made available as part of a continued fire sale? We've already seen Atlanta trade Kevin Herter away uh, because they were concerned about luxury tax payments. Now we see uh, John Collins go. And, uh, and yeah, now the next step is it, is it, um, is it one of the guys that I mentioned or does Atlanta like, you know, now that they've shed that salary, do they now turn their attention to making the playoffs and, and taking, uh, earning the revenue that comes with, you know, maybe around here or there. And, you know, it sucks because Hawks fans are probably saying like, oh, cool. So that's the ceiling that they see. For us, and this is what we talked about, or what I talked about yesterday in the lowdown, um, in response to somebody asking if it's a good thing for the league that maybe more markets are interested in winning. And the part of it that I probably should have mentioned yesterday, and I kicked myself for not doing it, is you could try to get more markets interested in winning championships, but when you have so many owners, these guys, for example, Michael Jordan comes to mind, um, any number of owners, right, over the years who were more interested in profits than championships. Um, you can't force those owners to compete, you know, without kicking them out. And the league has only ever kicked out owners for, you know, either racism or misogyny or, or, or stuff like that. And, and they have never kicked out an owner for not being competitive. And I don't think that is changing anytime soon. So, um, and by the way, the fact that they aren't kicking out owners, uh, for being, you know, non-competitive is a part of why the evaluations on these teams keep going up because owners never really have to worry about losing their team uh, for being bad at what it is that they should be bringing to the table as owners. So um, as much as I would like to sit here and say, hey, yeah, it's open season on the, on on some of the talent from Atlanta. And by the way, there is some talent that you want there. Like Atlanta's another team that has had you know, good enough players to help other teams when they go to a, a roster and they play in a smaller role. Um, plenty of guys come to mind there, right? I mentioned them already. Uh, but but yeah, as much as I would like to say that those guys might be made available, I, I'm hearing that, that that is not really the case and that it, it and, and, you know, maybe these things change um, as more teams kind of come to grip with what the CBA might look like and what it entails. Hell, once they get the CBA, for example. Um, but but as of right now, it sounds like the Hawks are considering this enough of a fire sale. Now let's turn around and be competitive so that we can get like two or three playoff games worth of revenue um, at the end of next year. The final part of this is uh, more of a macro view thing. And look, I, I could touch on Dame. Maybe I will after this. I, I, that's what I'll do. Whatever. 
But um, the, the, the macro view of this and the CBA is whether it's disingenuous or genuine, whatever, um, teams are very reluctant to do anything right now. Anything that involves, you know, trading with each other. Everybody is pretty much kind of sitting on their hands, waiting for somebody to blink and for somebody to do something. And, you know, part of this is the Dame Lillard thing, too, where it holds up the rest of the league as everybody waits for that domino to drop. And, and you know, things maybe start moving from there. But uh, in terms of, like, role player stuff uh, and, and, you know, the guys that, you know, the kinds of trades that I really enjoy – you know, the, 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 the moves on the peripheries, none of that stuff appears to be happening really. Um, at least before we jump into, to free agency and more teams figure some of this stuff out, it is, I think going to be a a relatively quiet few days. And look, I might be wrong by the time this thing airs in a couple hours, we might have gotten the next big deal, but as it stands right now, it really sounds like everybody's just kind of like sitting there looking at each other, nervous glances across the, the, the room um, as everybody waits for, A, the actual CBA to, to arrive in, in its in entirety, um, and then also for everybody to kind of have their CBA experts read through it and try to piece together what it means for teams that land at surf- certain spots in that luxury tax range. And, and just kind of go from there. So until then, I think we're going to keep on kind of sitting here waiting for something to happen. Um, and, and uh, you know, that something might just be a Damian Lillard trade. I don't want to spend very much time on this because it is the most tedious story we have seen in quite some time. The whole will they, won't they nonsense, it's just nauseating and um i get it from dame's perspective asking for a trade from the from the one team that he has called home this whole time um is very difficult uh and from portland's perspective building a championship contender around a small point guard who is paid almost 60 million bucks a year and doesn't play very much defense also difficult and so you have this game of chicken that keeps on going with with these two sides and everybody is just watching him like that kind of uh, toxic relationship that maybe, you know, some of your friends were in for a bit. And everybody is looking at them like, all right, when are they going to break up? And when are they going to move forward? And when are they going to become better versions of themselves and all of that? Um, but you ask anybody who have been in that toxic relationship, it isn't easy to do to end it. So, um, yeah, I just... You know, I Portland's GM came out and said that he met with Dame and, and Aaron Goodwin and that they had a productive conversation and that their focus is on building a team around Dame. And it's like, what else are you going to say there? It's not like he's going to come out and say, we spoke to Dame. We spoke to Goodwin. They hate me. They told me to lose their number. They told me, don't send a Christmas card. They gave me a noogie and they gave me a swirly in the, in the, in the, toilet and I'm dripping right now and this is awkward to give this statement while I am in this state like no like that wasn't ever going to happen like they it was it was 
what he said was all like very predictable. Just like this entire fucking charade has been entirely fucking fatiguing. And, and um, I think like what's crazy, what's been crazy actually is to start to see more trailblazers fans going like, all right, guys, I pick a, pick a resolution here. Are you Dame? Are you actually going to, you know, force their hand and force the, the, the front office to, uh, make some more win now moves. Hey, front office, are you actually willing to to do whatever it takes to build a, a championship contender around Damian Lillard? Like, can we get a resolution here? And that's from Blazers fans getting frustrated with their own most popular player in franchise history. And yeah, I just uh, to to see it arrive there with the fans it really just kind of sucks because. Um, the whole reason that it's, that it's arrived at this place is because nobody is willing to take that first big step and say, you know what, either we are really going to commit to each other or let's just end this thing. We had a great run. Dame has had an incredible run in Portland. Um, let's just end this thing because by the way, I think it's, it's altogether possible, if not probable that Portland gets closer by moving Dame and getting as much picks as they can possibly get than uh, by getting, you know, a, a couple like reshuffling the the decks on the on the deck of the ti- or the the char- the chairs on the deck of the Titanic. Here we know where this is going. Like his his super duper max extension is going to kick in. It's going to be that much more difficult to build around him. He's going to get older. He's going to get play. He's going to play less defense. Um, we saw him miss time. Uh, I think in each of the last two seasons too. So that's going to start happening a little bit more. Like we saw with John Collins, what happens when you wait too long. And, um, you know, I, you can make a case that Portland has already done that with Dame. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown. Not too much Lakers talk, right? Um, again, all I keep hearing is that they're prepared to basically run it back. Um, if you haven't checked it out already, I spoke to Dan Wojcicki of the LA Times about that specifically, about the chances that they run it back, what that would even look like, and all of that good stuff. I hope you check that out as well. Um, and then, yeah, we're just kind of sitting here waiting. Still have some really fun stuff. If you enjoyed the Dame talk there at the very end, I do have a guest later today um, who I'm going to talk about Dame a little bit more with. Somebody who's been on the pod before. uh, So you're going to want to check that out. And then, yeah, we're just going to keep on trugging along. um, And I'll keep on providing intel as best I can as I get it. And as we get more concrete stuff, we will start chatting a little bit more productively. So until then, and until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin, saying have a good one.